0: I started this podcast because I noticed a concerted effort to shame America and what it means to be American. One American podcast reinforces the values and ideals of America by having conversations with key influencers from all over the world who resonate with the values embodied by Americanism. If you believe in things like the right to life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness and want to be part of the conversation with others who do too then you're in the right place so before we get into this episode i'm asking you today as one american to tap the like button below and subscribe to the channel this engagement really helps these conversations reach as many viewers as possible make sure to comment i subscribed below and i'll do my best to respond to each and every comment my name is chase geyser and i am one american It's One American Podcast, and we are live with Noor Bin Laden. Noor, thank you for uh, coming on. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having me on, Chase. It's nice to be with you. It's my pleasure. Um,
0: I wanted to ask you, just to start, what does America mean to you?
1: The immediate word that comes to my mind is freedom, mm-hmm. uh, first and foremost. And um, it is the one of the many reasons why I love your nation so much. Is that the founding fathers put freedom at the center of everything they set out to accomplish, preserving and defending the freedom of citizens and uh, ensuring that whatever government system they would set up would protect the freedom of citizens and that this very precise way of viewing things that only God, only God grants rights to human beings, not any form of government, not any group of people not any group of tyrants, of rulers, only God has this power. And um, I've been a great admirer of America and what America stands for since a a very young age. And you couple that with my affection for the country, because I've been traveling to the US since the age of three multiple times a year. And so I have a very deep connection to this country uh, on a personal level as well. So it's a, it's a combination of things, and then obviously my interest is solidified because for every freedom-loving person in the world, and just any citizen, you know, wherever you find yourself, uh, everything that happens in America has repercussions for the rest of the world as well. So there's also a, a keen, more generalized interest there. I think for a lot of us watching from abroad.
0: Yeah, I've been thinking about this a lot lately because. Growing up in the United States, I always sort of took it for granted that freedom was going to be sort of this forever thing here. And um, I never would have, even three years ago, I never would have been able to predict the Mm -hmm. amount of government growth and regulation that we've seen in light of this pandemic. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if, do, do you think there's hope for freedom in America or is the entropy of freedom inevitable?
1: Well, you know, it was President Reagan that said uh, that uh, freedom is only one generation away, you know, from being lost. I'm paraphrasing here, mm-hmm. um, but no, I'm uh, incredibly optimistic. Um, although it's been it's very distressing watching events unfold, you know, especially since the installment of the Biden regime uh, in January. It's been incredibly, as I said, distressing to watch. You know the suffering of of American pe- the American people and the, the and abroad, obviously, and the the consequences of certain of the policies they've put in place. Uh, of course, this is something that has been um, taking place, as I've said elsewhere. You know, for many many decades. Um, that being said, I am incredibly optimistic because. I've said this many times before, America belongs to patriots and patriots are waking up and patriots know, know that this is their country and not anybody else's country. And they are, I believe they are going to take back the country. They are going to clean up all of these institutions, um, at the, um, federal, state, local levels. You see more and more people, um, getting involved, you know, whether it's the parents, who are standing up and, you know, the, the education boards, uh, to defend, you know, their children's, um, their, their children, excuse me. And, um, and just people speaking up, people like yourself, you know, you, you, you started your platform, you know, one American and every single American, uh, has a part to play in this pushback. And I see it's, it, it happening and it's very encouraging to me. And, uh, you guys will take back your country. I have no doubt.
0: What would you say is the source of your affinity for America?
1: It's quite multifaceted. um, But for sure, you know, the fact that my parents split up, I was eight months old. And um, my mother fought a very long and arduous battle to obtain custody of me and my two older sisters for us to be raised in Switzerland. My mom is Swiss. Um, and the the separation happened while um, my parents were in Switzerland. I was born. Uh, I was born here. In Sw- I'm calling from Switzerland. I was born here, and luckily, um, the separation happened here as opposed to Saudi Arabia. And uh, my mom was able. It's a very long story, but my mom was able to raise us in Switzerland as opposed to Saudi Arabia. And this um, clash of what my life could have been had I been raised in a society like Saudi Arabia from a very very young age, uh, I realized how blessed I was uh, to 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 live in, in a free society absolutely and so this undoubtedly uh, is um, the how would you say sorry, my brain is thinking in it's French okay. today the source um, the source, thank you very much is mm-hmm. uh, is very much a, a big part of the source of my love of freedom and thus for America,
0: yeah, that makes a lot of sense so growing up in Switzerland, you would often visit the United States you mentioned are mm-hmm. you still frequent the united states
1: i mean i would be i would be with you right now if it weren't for covid restrictions mm-hmm. uh, uh, the I mean the entire a Eurozone uh, and Switzerland have been uh, placed on the list of countries. Um, I mean, we cannot basically go to America uh, since the pandemic uh, started. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So, growing up in Switzerland and having your father in Saudi Arabia, it seems like, uh, and, and I noticed from a, a previous interview that I watched with uh, Patrick Ben David. Um, you know, that your, 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 mother and your father fell in love in a very genuine romantic way. How is it that they even cross paths? Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. The, um, the love story, uh, of my parents is really actually very romantic, as you said, and quite beautiful. And my mom relates it in her book, which was a New York times bestseller entitled inside the kingdom, my life in a, in Saudi Arabia. And so the story starts with how they met in Switzerland my father and his family were holidaying there, and um, you know, just through fate, they they met. Their their lives crossed paths, and they fell in love over the summer, and decided to get married. And my mother, um, and he moved to America first. Uh, they studied at USC. Mm-hmm. My eldest sister and uh, my eldest sister was actually born in California, and uh, then they moved. Uh, they moved to Saudi Arabia. Uh, In the mid late uh, in the late seventies,
0: late seventies. Okay, Saudi Arabia, late seventies. All right. I'm trying to trying to put together the timeline. So, what was it like for your mother to be in Saudi Arabia?
1: This is actually the the fascinating part of her book because she really just describes uh, how her life was there, and and it's although it's a memoir from a mother to her daughters because that one of the reasons why she wrote it. Was to explain to me and my older sisters the circumstances surrounding the sem- the separation and the emotional price in many respects uh, we 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 had to bear from the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond that, it's very much an, ala- an analysis of Saudi Arabia at this crucial time in the seventies, early eighties. Um, and she basically, while she was there, saw Saudi Arabia, which was basically a land uh, that had nothing, um, uh, completely modernized in the space of a, of a, of a few years. And um, her analysis of the society and seeing as how, at the beginning, she was very hopeful that with the modernization in, in, a, material, in a material sense, Uh, Seeing the society transform so rapidly, she thought that perhaps culturally as well, there would be such a change and that to raise girls uh, wouldn't be as stringent and strict as it had been. But unfortunately, Mm. she realized that the change wasn't happening um, at the same pace. And so she had to make a, a decision whereby she thought it would be better to raise her children in the west and while she had fell, fallen in love with our father and that had been her choice she didn't want to impose this on her three girls well i okay. came a, a little bit later so at the time for her two her two, two girls
0: that makes sense that must have been that must have been very hard for her and that's uh, brave of her to um mm-hmm. to make that decision so it's it's just so interesting that you have this sort of dichotomy where On one side, there's sort of this very, I don't know what what I'm looking for, just sort of strict, sort of ideological culture, right? Mm -hmm. And then on the other side, there's the Western culture, which I wouldn't say it's not ideological or not strict, but um, it's certainly more um, leaning on uh, freedom rather than discipline or um, devoutness to any sort of religion. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So were you raised religious?
1: Actually not. Um, My... uh... My father and his family played no part in my life uh, growing up. So I was actually never, I I was never exposed to um, Islam uh, growing up, which is something that I think viewers don't necessarily know. Uh, I haven't been asked this so Directly in, in, in any other interview before. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not a cause for apology, but it's uh, that's one of the reasons why maybe your viewers wouldn't wouldn't know is that no, actually, I I, I wasn't, but very much I was raised by my mother with Judeo-Christian values or Christian mm-hmm. values mm-hmm. Um, uh, in Switzerland. Yes.
0: So was that something that was difficult? for your parents in terms of just having different faiths or, or different ideas about religion?
1: Well, my mother didn't grow up Christian. Um, mm. And uh, so it was very much, there was this notion of belief in God for sure. In, in my household, but it wasn't a a religion. I didn't grow up with a religion. Basically my mother didn't raise me with a religion as she hadn't been raised with a religion herself, but there was very much this, this, um, belief that there is God, a God. Um, and, um, that was very prevalent. And my mother, as I said, uh, she became Christian later in life, but she, she wasn't, you know, when, when we were growing up and without knowing it though, she very much raised us with Christian values, you know, and, um, the golden rule. And, uh, we, we, I definitely reading the Bible later in life. I recognized that my mother and her education was extremely close to um, to the precepts. Can you say that word in English? The precepts in, in the Bible.
0: Precepts. Uh, you mean like the uh, Gospels?
1: In, uh, precepts, well, I mean, precepts
0: uh, is an English word.
1: <laughs> yes, because so, I translate from French, so. <laughs> um les precepts um oh yeah, les precepts. <laughs> sorry um, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, the teachings of the Bible, let's put it sure,
0: that I right. see oh okay, I see like the principles, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm.
1: the principles that works as well, okay, so yeah this is an exercise I need to do before every interview, usually, I call a friend or speak with someone in English for a few minutes before because otherwise my the language that I use use on a daily basis is French. And, and then I realized, my goodness, my French brain is on. I need to to switch gears here.
0: I should probably do the same thing. My English isn't very good. So, <laughs> so, um,
1: your English sounds perfectly fine to me.
0: <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. Um, I wanted to ask you about nine 11 specifically, um, uh, pardon the lack of subtlety, but it must have come as quite a surprise to you as it did to everyone else in the world. I think you were 14 years old when it happened. Where were you when when you heard the the news of nine eleven?
1: Um, I was here in Switzerland. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had uh, just gotten back from school, and where'd you study? Um,
0: I guess you were uh, 14, so it doesn't matter. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, we can talk about that afterwards. But sure. Um yeah, I, I I had it was like the second day of school, and um like everybody else in the world watching, I was completely gr- grief stricken and shocked. I think that anyone who is of age, you know, who remembers who was old enough to remember today what happened, um, I think it, it's it's um it's an event that forever marked marked anyone that was watching that day and uh for sure because of my love for america it really felt like someone had attacked my home because at that point you know america was really like my second home after switzerland sure. but uh i, I was just uh, the 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 horror of it all was just in it, I mean, uh, yeah, it was a horrible day. It was a really horrible day.
0: Were there any sort of like quiet, was there any sort of a quiet understanding in your family that Osama bin Laden was very radical?
1: So my mother actually um, mentions this in her book, but um, Osama bin Laden was always considered uh, very pious uh, because you know in in uh, saudi society you have um, people who practice a more stringent or sure. literal application of of islam and um, he was definitely considered and acted in a in a in a very stringent or applied islam in a very stringent way yes and my mom describes a couple of occasions in the book where she ran into him and things like that, that, uh, that supports this.
0: So, you know, one thing that's interesting is obviously in the United States and especially in the 20th century, we have a lot of just cultural references and issues with like cult leaders like Jim Jones, or you can just name a number of cult leaders that are sort of famous in the United States throughout the 20th century. And, it's interesting to me when I consider Osama bin Laden and I wanted to ask you about this in that a lot of times religious leaders are disingenuous. Uh, they're either out for financial gain or power and they sort of use religion in order to, uh, to, to, uh, harness that power. Would you say that Osama bin Laden's, um, uh, religious, his faith was very genuine?
1: I've never spoken to Osama bin Laden. I've never mm. met Osama bin Laden, um, so for me to to comment on that, I, I'm not sure, sure. Um, what 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 to say.
0: Sure, fair so enough. It's, it's,
1: it's, it's I've I've read you know like you I've read uh, information and certain things he's written and certain things he's said, but um, it's I yeah. don't have a, a direct. Uh, how would you say connection connection or access that would enable me to 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 comment
0: okay so as time went on you obviously got older what did you study where
1: um i went to the university of geneva and i got a um, bachelor's degree in business administration Mm -hmm. i followed that with a master's in commercial law at the University of London, and I f- went on to do a accelerated uh, diploma in computer programming when I thought I wanted to become, you know, a pro- computer programmer
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, at the time. And uh, tech was all the rage. But uh, that, do you, that still, wasn't do you still you still really code at all? Long. No, actually, I haven't coded in a, in a really long time. Uh, I'm much more interested in in reading about history, which is actually my true passion. So if I had to go and do it all over again, mm-hmm. I probably would have would have studied something um, more along the lines of history or political science or philosophy. Uh, mm-hmm. I would have loved to study uh, these topics instead.
0: Who's your favorite philosopher?
1: Oh, I'm a, a total novice. I have okay. uh, my, one of my goals actually is to... Um, when there is time, you know, right now we're in the middle of the digital war. Mm. uh, But uh, when there is a bit more time, uh, I want to start uh, reading about philosophy and applying myself to studying it because I haven't yet.
0: That's one of the things that I've uh, noticed as well, the last, really ever since Trump was elected, um, just because of how politicized everything became, not because of him, but in reaction to him. Mm. And uh, I've noticed that. It's very hard to focus on the things that we would otherwise be doing because the politics are so prevalent,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it you know I, I, it's it's sort of a shame, but all the opportunity cost, the 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 create the creativity, the, the the thinking minds that are so sort of preoccupied with battling, mm-hmm. you know, against the censorship and the pandemic and the you know the fr- infringements on freedom. I, I, I wish that all that that intelligence and that mind power could be used again in sort of a hyper-creative way, like it was, you know, a number of decades ago. Um, but hopefully we get back to that point. Um,
1: no, you're completely right. And I see it even with myself, you know, right. But right now, it, the crisis has accelerated, I would say, you know, the past 20 months, obviously, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it for sure gives gives one less time to go and actually read longer books and do proper research. Uh, and in my case, you know, this is what I've been doing for the last three years. And since, quote, going public or speaking publicly on certain things since September. Um, and um, I mean, I'm sure you you see it yourself, the, the amount of work that goes into doing a podcast sure. uh, and relaying information. It, it's, um, it's quite time consuming. And then obviously the social media, et cetera. But um, I'm looking forward, I have a a little book pile that I'm really looking forward to getting into as soon as time allows.
0: What was the response that you got when you wrote the letter to America? What was that like?
1: Tremendous. It was, um, it's very strange because I wasn't surprised because of my previous experience with the American people, even, you know, right after the tragedy of 9 11. Uh, I haven't had, I've been to the US over a half dozen times since 9 um, 11, uh, and I haven't had a single bad experience. As I wrote, you know, as I discussed with John Levine, who wrote the New York Post article, uh, which was published, you know, right before I, I, I put out my letter to America. So I hadn't had a single bad experience. And I know, and I've said this many times before, but the American people are incredibly open-minded, loving, and kind. And so in that sense, it wasn't a surprise. But nonetheless, it was incredibly overwhelming. And um, still to this day, I get wonderful messages that, um, you know, really touch, touch me and move me. So it's, it's been wonderful.
0: So, obviously, as you know, there's, there have been a lot of issues with censorship, particularly the past two or three years in mm-hmm. the United States. I think it was sort of set up going into the election, and then now it's, mm-hmm. it's sort of rampant uh, mm-hmm. online. What can freedom-loving Americans do to overcome that obstacle and reverse it? Because uh, it's, it, it's easy to get in a, in a state of mind of hopelessness, because mm-hmm. um, it seems like you know all the big business, the big tech the big government, it seems like we have all these tremendous forces Mm -hmm. that are constantly sort of eroding freedom, like the ocean against a stone. Mm -hmm. And how can we, what would what do you think the solution is for, for these problems?
1: I mean, first of all, it's been completely astounding watching this egregious, egregious push uh, to censor all the quote dissidents, um, Mm -hmm online. Most notably, I mean, can you, would you have ever imagined that the sitting president of the United States would have been banned from uh, social media? It's it's just unbelievable when you think about it, but this is where we are. Um, listen, it is, it does seem insurmountable because these mammoth companies that are essentially extensions of the subverted government it's an illusion to believe that you know facebook or whatever tech company you want to you want to name are completely independent corporations they 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 are they are working with very much with and as an extension of whatever you want to call it the deep state the subverted government etc so in that sense it does feel insurmountable. Can you say unsurmountable?
0: Yeah, insurmountable.
1: Insurmountable. Um, that being said, you see smaller um, actors trying to break through into that space. And you know, the growth of of um, applications such as or platforms such as Rumble or Odyssey mm-hmm. thinking about alternatives to YouTube. And then I mean the terribly I mean what happened to Parlor was just ridiculous and I get that it can be discouraging um and it's just their growth was a testament the the fact that they pulled you know Parlor off was a testament to their incredible growth so right. while this is you know discouraging but it shows that it is possible to be done it's just we have to rethink we have to rethink um the system and find ways to build infrastructure that is independent of that system. And this is the task at hand and sure it's, it's daunting, but we don't have a choice. And I'm fully confident that, you know, bright minds, um, uh, will achieve this. And it's, uh, it's, it's just a, a question of, uh, of getting the right people together, getting the resources together. And, um, I'm, uh, there is no limit to the American spirit and to American resourcefulness if we're looking, you know, at America in that sense.
0: What are your thoughts on uh, President Biden's recent withdrawal from Afghanistan?
1: Okay, first of all, you will never hear the words. I've never said it. I haven't said it once. President Biden. No.
0: First of all. <laughs> I knew you were going to Sorry. do that.
1: <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, I, it, not in, in any single tweet, writing or anything. It's just... It's just uh, not possible. Um, You know, it was the decision itself to leave had to be done. Mm. But I watched his speech, the one he gave shortly afterwards, where he took this America first posturing and it just how hypocritical. First of all, he lied. Because he said that this was not about nation nation building. We had we have quotes from him where he actually said, you know, I think it was um, on the record in Congress where he said, you know, that this was a nation building, that the war was about building the nation of Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. Listen, it's it's such a a complex topic. but But the one thing I will say, and I've said it, you know, before, that this was this was not incompetence this was very much an operation and the fact that they left the fact that they left americans behind is just the most despicable thing and then the gall of these generals and of biden going on national telev- television and pretending that this was a success 13 people died 13 american soldiers died and he goes on television and says that this was a success
0: Right. Right.
1: It's just infuriating and um It's it's incredibly infuriating to 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 watch this regime operate under our noses in such a hypocritical and uh insulting way.
0: What do you think his motivations are?
1: Who Biden's motivation? Mhm. I don't know if he himself has motivations. I'm not really sure he's fully there. Um, So um, we can't talk about his motivations. I mean, clearly this man is in severe decline and uh, he is not the person who is um, in charge here.
0: Yeah. Do you have any thoughts as to who's actually running things?
1: I mean, there are so many Obama holdovers. This is essentially, mm. and this is not me who's been saying this, but this is essentially Obama's third term. You know, you have people right. like Susan Rice, et cetera, mm-hmm. who are very much uh, working behind the scenes. But at the end of the day, um, the only thing I, I'll, I'll say, regardless of who is pulling the strings here, is that uh, this is clearly a government. You cannot refer to this as a government government. Because a government, you know, is a representative of the people. When you say government, you mean, you know, an entity that represents the people. And this is clearly not an entity that represents the people, which is why regime is the most appropriate. But whoever is uh, pulling the strings of this regime, uh, one thing is for certain, is that they are not acting in the interest of the American people.
0: So... Interesting that you mentioned government as a representative of the people. Obviously, with this last election cycle, there are a lot of very serious questions from tens of millions of people in the United States about the integrity of the election. Uh, As I can recall, this is the first time this has happened, maybe even since the Civil War that we've had an election where so many questioned the legitimacy of it. What are your thoughts as to what the protesters did on January 6th? And what are your thoughts on how the federal government responded?
1: January 6th is, uh, a topic for which I'm very passionate about. Mm-hmm. And, um, I almost immediately started writing about it. I think my, my first article on the subject was, um, a couple of weeks after where I called, where I called the quote insurrection for the false flag that it was. And, um, I've done my best since then to relay information, namely uh, the brilliant reporting of Diane Beatty and Revolver.News and of Julie Kelly at American Greatness, who both of them um, have done such a tremendous job at exposing the truth about this event. And um, we now know, we now know that this was not an insurrection, and uh, that uh, there was obviously, um, involvement of federal agencies, namely the FBI, behind this. And the fact that Americans, upstanding Americans, are being persecuted based on a lie. Over 500 people were arrested, some sitting in jail, some in solitary confinement, based on a lie. Is something that I find I abhor injustice, and this to me is just the opposite of everything that America stands for, and is such an egregious abuse of power. But again, this goes hand in hand with the fact that this is a, a regime, and as in any regime, the purging of dissidents is in order in, in, in order to um, perpetuate their 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 rule. And uh, this is what we've been seeing for the past nine months now, um, the, the overt, the overt utilization, or the, the overt use of the national security apparatus in order to target American citizens who are voicing, who are voicing and protesting against these egregious abuses of power. By these quote rulers um, who are who are completely subverting uh, the u s constitution, mm-hmm. and Bunch. anyone listen, anyone who dares this is the thing we are now living in a time that anyone who dares stand up to this, speak up will be either censored, persecuted, put in jail, terrorized, and uh, we see it you know, look at what, and I wrote about this earlier in August because I had an, an episode of my own where I was threatened and it was, we can talk about that afterwards if you'd like, but in the, in the paper that I wrote about what happened uh, in my case, I mentioned, you know um, what happened to Tucker Carlson this summer, you know, he's mm-hmm. being spied on by the NSA and um, no, this, this is a, yeah. Uh, they are pushing hard against us, against anyone who is trying to expose what they're doing, mm-hmm. and uh, and we need to make sure that we we cannot we cannot be intimidated, we cannot relent. And this is the title of the piece that I wrote specifically on this subject, which I called entitled "Submission is Not an Option."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, I will be uh, fighting until you know. I I won't stop fighting uh, for for our freedoms and to, to try and reverse how far along we've gone in terms of the encroachment of our freedoms. We need to reverse whatever happened the last few decades, especially the last two decades, with this growth of the national security apparatus completely repurposed to target us now. My
0: concern is it's not very often that you see the establishment of a regime followed by the um unraveling of one peacefully just just in terms of historical context my concern is that some of these um violations will continue only and uh, or will continue as long as there isn't a violent response and i'm not endorsing violence by any means but it seems to me that mm-hmm. the only it seems to me that that's the direction that this is headed. And I don't know if it's five years from now or a hundred years from now, you know, people can tolerate a lot of pain and infringement for a long period of time, but it seems to me that this, this is this, these violent times have violent ends.
1: (laughs) I think in many respects, this is what they're pushing for uh, and what they are fomenting. Um, But this movement is incredibly peaceful, you know, and coming mm. back to January 6, where they, they are pretending that this was, quote, a violent insurrection. First of all, all the lies, I mean, we could do a whole podcast just on 1-6 and all the lies, you know, about the people that died that day, the fact that there hasn't been a single um, person who died at the hand of Trump supporters, you know, as I said, Revolver News is such a good a job at breaking down all these lies surrounding the deaths and officer Sicknick. They actually forced the New York times to do a retraction about the death of officer Sicknick. And, um, and wait, what was the point I wanted to make about one six?
0: Um, we were talking about oh, yeah, so the, vi- yeah, the, so the, the violence. The, yeah.
1: The, yeah. The movement is incredibly peaceful. And January six was a peaceful demonstration against the election. steal. And one statistic that I that I often refer to, um, I think I've mentioned it in other interviews. But between September and the election last year, there were about eighty Trump rallies, um, combining about one point one million Trump supporters and patriots who gathered at this, these variants of these various events. There hadn't been a single, not a single act of violence committed at these events. The, the, the patriot movement is a peaceful movement. And the fact, and I also wrote this in, in that January article about 16, the fact that they are equating that these people are equating patriots and upstanding American citizens to terrorists is something that makes me I have no words how infuriating it is to watch this unfold. And again this weekend, you know, I I I I didn't even listen to the whole to the whole speech. I couldn't bear watching these people the unbearable hypocrisy of these people on such a solemn and tragic day this weekend. But I saw this clip of George Bush where he was uh talking about terrorism at home and basically uh repeating this lie of a narrative about americans and um i mean i never swear it's easier to swear on twitter in writing you certainly can't well,
0: it is allowed
1: no but what what a despicable person
0: so when do you think before prior to donald trump When do you think was the last time that we had a good president in the United States?
1: I mean, the obvious one, although there are certain things that, you know, should have been done differently, Mm -hmm. um, namely in terms of immigration, uh, but Ronald Reagan, obviously, uh, Mm -hmm. but from George Bush Sr. until President Trump, it's just been... Uh, you know I call these people I actually I think I coined this term on Twitter because then I did a little search to see if somebody else had used it before me and I don't think anybody used it before me but ANOs Americans in name only <laughs> alright so, so these people <laughs> to say it in, an, in a PG-13 without swearing these people basically were all ANOs and when you look at, um, at what they've done to the country, uh, as someone who, who loves America so much and who really values your Constitution, to see everything they've done to undermine, to undermine what America stands for has been incredibly heartbreaking. And I keep using the word infuriating and the research that I've been doing, especially on the 20th century, I'm fascinated by the 20th century and looking back specifically at America. And, you know, what I wrote in my letter to America, and I talked about this also this summer on a war room pandemic, but you look at the 20th century and so much has been done. This is, this is a plot that has been ongoing for over a century. I mean, you can go even further, you know, from the inception of America herself, you had different factions and forces that tried to prevent the country from truly becoming an independent nation if you go as far back. And through the 1800s as well, there have been attempts to subvert her from from within. Um, And uh, I think the, the roots of what we see happening today uh, really trace back or date back to the early 1900s and the presidency of uh, Woodrow Wilson, where a lot of anti-constitutional, anti-American policies were implemented and uh, the the subversion really kick-started properly at that time. And then you go throughout, you know, the 20th century and, uh, the state, and this is something that someone I really respect talks a lot about, uh, Ned Ryan, you know, he talks about the, the bureaucracy, the, the growing, the, the growth of the administrative state as well. Um, just, just, just everything snowballed. And, uh, we find ourselves today in 2021, uh, living with the consequences of, of, uh, all these policies and machinations and, um, looking at the last 20 years since the tragedy of 9-11, this is clearly, um, the last 20 years clearly have been the nail in the coffin. And on that note, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll be releasing a statement on, um, on 9-11 and the aftermath on the aftermath of 9-11, uh, either late this evening or most likely tomorrow, uh, discussing, you know, the last 20 years and, uh, and uh, the growth of the national security uh, apparatus and um, how that has affected Americans.
0: So there are rumors floating around that Donald Trump is going to run again in 2024. And obviously that's going to come with some rallies. Are there any, are there any rallies that you want to mention?
1: <laughs> yeah, so so actually prior to the rally... Okay. Prior to I just want to be conscientious
0: kind of, of your time. I could talk to you all day.
1: No, me too. I mean, I'm sorry. I, I I hope we get to meet in person, Chase. I mean, I say this every time I have an interview, but I, I ho- I'm hope i really dying to get to America and meet all of you and fellow patriots in person. It's incredibly infir- um, frustrating to do this on, on uh, Zoom, but I guess I'm not. I mean, everybody's in this situation because of... COVID. um no prior to discussing re-election i think we should talk about that there is something i'd like to say but in terms of rallies there is one rally i'd like to mention which is not about the election but about you know january 6th and somebody else whose work i really admire is matt brainard and everything he's been doing to raise awareness on on um the january 6th detainees and uh political um political prisoners and so he's having a rally on uh, september 18 in washington dc uh and i encourage everybody to go to matt brainerd's uh page you know what if you hold on one second i'll retweet it because i have it here so that people yeah. can go and find it hold on one second Secondary just Director justice of- justice for january 6 rally u.s capitol union square saturday september 18 12 p.m east so i'm going to retweet that for for anybody who's watching they can find it on my page
0: very good i just followed him on twitter so i'll send him a message too yeah
1: yeah you should have him on the show
0: yeah i'd love to um Mm -hmm. so where can people find you uh
1: the um, best way i think is uh twitter at noor bin laden um and my website, norbinladen.com. Uh, that's where I post my articles and different, you know, media things that I do. And as I mentioned, I'll be publishing something uh, most likely tomorrow uh, morning on um, the aftermath of 9-11 and the state of the world uh, we find ourselves in uh, 20 years on.
0: Okay. Well, is there anything else that you would like to say? Is there any uh, last sentiments that you'd like to share?
1: Um, anything I'd like to share? Uh, I know that, uh, this has been a very emotional last few days for everybody. And, uh, I mentioned it earlier in the show. I'm incredibly frustrated that I'm here in Switzerland, but my, my heart is really in America with everybody uh, at this time, even more so than uh, usual.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming on. It was really a pleasure to have you on the show and honor to be with you. I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me and talk about what it means to be America, where she is and how we can bring her back. So thank you so much. And let's stay the, in touch.
1: The last thing I'd like to say, and just sure. uh, while thanking you as well for having me on, uh, on the show is that, uh, and I mentioned this one before we, we started the chat, but you know, you're the title of your show, one American, um, uh, caused me to to reflect, and this is really the time where we're living in. And every single person, I really appreciate the work you do. You know, you you have your podcast, and you're you're spreading the word. And everybody, I truly believe, this has a role to play right now at this time in history to push back. Nobody's going to come and defend our freedoms for us if we don't. It's really up to us. This is we live in such a strange but extraordinary time, and. Um, it rests. Everything rests on all of our shoulders, and um, I am. Uh, I am deeply. Um, I have deep admiration uh, and gather a lot of strength myself seeing everybody else and all of all of you know you guys work. We're all you know pushing back, and this is this is what we have to do. The time is now. Uh, but that being said, we will take. America back and our freedoms back. I have no doubt. It's just it's it's going to be difficult. Uh, they are they they are desperate. The next few months will be very difficult, as I said. You know, with all these mandates and the 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 COVID um, tyranny and all their tyrannical uh, policies they're pushing. I mean, Biden the other day threatening threatening the American people. Right. Uh, if they don't, his patience uh, is wearing thin. yeah, his patience is wearing thin. Can you imagine him saying this? Um, but uh, no, they're, they're going to, they're going to try. They're going to try to to, to push this as hard as they can, but we're going to push back and we will win.
0: Yes, we will. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much, Chase. I'll see you soon.